Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us as we explore the mysteries of Scripture, the realm of God, and freedom through Christ. So spread out those wings. And slither in place. Because this is Snakebird. Hey, welcome Snakebirds to another episode of the cast. Today we are continuing with part two of that all-important question that we've asked Am I a bad Christian because? And so what we're going to do is pick up right where we left off last time and jump in and continue to, to see what areas we've asked that question about. Here we go. Okay, um, so this one, it's going to require a few other questions, but I've heard this before. Am I a bad Christian if I am not enthusiastic about my faith? And... Um, this is one where I feel like you have to ask some qualifying questions. And uh, one of the things is you have to ask yourself, why? Why am I not enthusiastic? Um, another question would be, what has quenched my fire? And then another question would be, did I ever actually have fire? Oh. And then um, to go off of what Jesus says in the book of Revelation, have I left that first love? And um, a lot of these are very like, you know, once you start unpacking those Russian nesting dolls of, of <laughs> right. uh, qualifying questions, then you kind of get to that point. And uh, I would say first and foremost, if there never has actually been fire, then maybe it's a good introspective of like, is this real for me? Or is, is it a, a decision I made in an emotional moment that I've actually never followed up on, that, that I have not walked in the truth of, of uh, who Jesus is and, and being regenerate? Yeah. Um, a second thing is, is, has something stolen your flame? Has something quenched you? And, you know, I love, um, even in our last topic that we were talking about, is there is a difference between emotion and truth. And if we rest on an emotional foundation, then we're always going to be shaken. Yeah. It's gonna, we're going to live life like we're living in Southern California on <laughs> mismanaged fault lines, you know, because we're going to be shaken to the core. But if we come back to a foundation of truth, then our, our rock solid is in Jesus Christ. We're, we're built not on the sandy land, but on uh, on the 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 rock foundation of who Jesus is, and so um, you know, I think of just coming to to Jesus and being honest with Him about where we are, and saying, "Why am I not as passionate as I once was, or never have been?" And I think a lot of times through prayer and through um, seeking out Jesus or even asking friends that uh, we really trust to speak into our lives, God can reveal those kind of things. Oh, yeah. That's good. Yeah. And I would say that that's not something that only a new believer asks. That's something that even people that have been following Jesus for years and years and years have to sometimes deal with. Oh, yeah. And it is a question that we do ask ourselves. Yes. You know, but... um, we're, I heard this the other day, is that wilderness is for a reason. The wilderness is not bad. So if you're going through a wilderness testing trial period, it's because God is wanting to bring something out in you. Yeah. And if there's ever a time in your walk with God that you feel dry, I would say, ask why. Ask what what is the result of it? Is it a time of testing? Is it a time of, of coming and saying, God, I'm dry. I need water. I need more of you. And um, 
the neat thing about God is oftentimes when we ask him very specific things, usually he's right there to answer very specific ways. Yeah. Well, so. I've heard that uh, when I stop praying, coincidences stop happening. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I've, I've found that to be pretty true wow. actually in my life. So, sure, yeah. you know, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great one. Okay, so um, moving along on my next one, I have, am I a bad Christian because I've never led anyone to Christ? And I don't know if you've heard this one, Josh, but over the years, I've heard various brothers and sisters, uh, some in their old age, look back on their life and realize they can't recall a time that where they directly led someone to receive Christ. And it really bothers them because mm-hmm. um, here we're to be, you know, the light of the world and our main purpose after conversion is to go share the gospel and mm. and bring others to Christ. So I had to include this one uh, just based on the times that I've heard people struggle with this. And I do have some thoughts on how we should understand this concern. But I was curious, have you, have you heard this from brothers and sisters yourself? I think I have a while back. Yeah, it hasn't been anything recent, but I have heard that before, yes. Gotcha. Okay, well, I was just kind of curious because I know you spent many years in ministry, so mm-hmm. I figured figured there were some cases. But um, the first thing I want to point out is uh, that God has – he's uniquely designed each of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christians don't just start out as this big – big roll of flat dough and then God gets his different shape <laughs> cookie cutters and we got snowmen over here and gingerbread over there. We're, we're not designed that way. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6 tells us, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So it's important to understand that each of us have different natural gifts and spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. Uh, one example I'll give is that I was watching a fellow believer once as they were trying to share the gospel with someone. And and right away you could tell that a one-on-one interaction with people was not their gift. And I'm not trying to be mean. Um, I'm not trying to say that God can't use you on a moment's notice to step out of your comfort zone for uh, the purpose of divine appointments or anything like that. But but that being said, this situation uh, really did seem to be more damaging than beneficial. Mm -hmm. And the main reason was because it was forced. I think they were like, I'm going to be a spiritual warrior today, and by golly, somebody's getting saved. And so again, not not saying that someone can't be used outside of their gifting, but at the same time, I hate to see Christians down on themselves because they're not successful at doing something God didn't call them to do. And these are my thoughts from what I see in Scripture about this. The first thing would be what Jesus tells us in Matthew 5.16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Letting our light shine before men is a call that doesn't necessarily initiate radical change in scenery. And what I mean by that is sometimes we get this idea that we have to take our our faith seriously and we have to abandon all previous engagements and uh, design some brand new undertaking in order to to live the gospel out. But if we don't feel a real pull and change from God, then 1 Corinthians 7.20 tells us that each one is to remain in the situation we were called in and to just live our lives our new life in our ordinary places. Mm. That's the real calling of letting our light shine before men. 
And by simple observation from bystanders that, that once knew us in a different light, we could be preaching the gospel without saying a word. Mm-hmm. And you might think, well, come on, Steve, that, that doesn't sound like much of a ministry. How could you possibly know if that works effectively? I'm glad you asked, because Solomon addresses this very thing in Ecclesiastes 11.6, where he says, In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. And if you have no idea what he's talking about there, he's talking about a farmer who's debating whether he should plant his seed in the morning or in the evening. He's like, I wonder which time of day is going to be more effective for this seed to take root. Mm. And Solomon's response to that is plant both times because you have no way of knowing which one's going to take. And the powerful application from that would be that we have no clue what our daily witness does for those who are watching us. I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone in a small group or a Bible study um, that they recall a random person that planted a seed in their life that has grown into this massive inspiration that changed them. And it, it just never ceases to amaze me that what started the ball rolling on that was a simple observation in someone else's life where they were just living out their life in Christ. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it was a simple word of encouragement at the perfect time, and other times there wasn't a word spoken at all. But the point is, if we're abiding in Christ, people are going to notice And that alone will be planting seeds. And remember the wisdom of Solomon that we have no way of knowing which seeds are going to take root as people observe that in us, as they watch us. But um, also take to heart Isaiah 55, 10 through 11 that says, The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all that I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. So that's my encouragement to live out God's word because it's not going to return void, and uh, you don't necessarily have to physically lead someone to Christ in in a setting where you lead them in a prayer and all of that. And I, I would just really felt the need to to bring that one home for anybody who's ever struggled with, man, I've never led anyone yeah. to Christ. Because yeah. you know what? You might have. Yes, that's true. Was it St. Francis of Assisi that said, uh, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words? Yeah. You know, I and, couldn't rem- I knew that that was a quote, but I mm-hmm. couldn't remember who. And I have met people <laughs> who I would call uh, gunslinger Christians who it's like, <laughs> like they – as they're putting on their belt in the morning, they're like, somebody's going to get saved today. And, yeah. and you know, it's going to happen as pistol whip them with the spirit. Basically. <laughs> and, and I mean, I, I've been street witnessing uh, a lot of times in Bible college, we would go on Friday nights. We would go down to the pier where there was a lot of uh, people in the armed forces um, that would uh, just be out and and we would go and talk to them and we would ask them about where they were at and talk to them about their faith and we would share who we were and and it was a really neat experience to be able to lead somebody into faith in Jesus and um, and then give them a Bible and then you know try to get them uh, hooked up with a local church and that was a neat thing. But not everybody is is called to that kind of in your face, like go out and do that ministry. Um, 
There's also, I believe, like you said, the person who lives their faith every day, day in and day out, who uh, has such an influence on those around them to where they see when the highs and the lows come. And yet they also see that because they're not built on the sandy land, that, you know, that they're not uh, sinking or they're not being destroyed. They're not being tossed to and fro. And um, so... It is one of those questions, and I again I refer back to the hope verse. There is therefore now no condemnation <laughs> to those who are in Christ Jesus. And I would say, as we are walking in Jesus, we just have to have um, the ears and the eyes of Jesus to be able to to see if a if a situation comes up where we can share the hope that was in us. Yes. Um, I think it's uh, Peter that says, always be prepared to give every man an answer, the reason for the hope that's within us. And so I I would say that that it's not necessary to go out and be like, you're going to get saved today because I'm going to preach till I'm blue in the face. And, you know, you pray this this prayer, which, again— the sinner's prayer can be misconstrued as what it, what the purpose of it is for anyway. Um, that's, that's not healthy. Yeah. Yeah. If, if God wants it to happen, he'll, he'll design the appointment and make it happen. There's no sense in forcing something and, mm-hmm. and certainly not feeling bad about something that yes. you didn't, you know, you imagined it was, it would go this way. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's a good one. All right. Let's roll on. Right. Yeah. Okay, um, so this one, uh, I'm just going to give you like the, the answer that I have for it. <laughs> okay. Um, am I a bad Christian if I've been divorced? Okay. And uh, short answer, no, you're not. Um, is divorce a bad thing? Yeah. Does God hate divorce? Yeah. Does the Bible say, let him who has, you know, the Lord join together not be separated? Yeah, but... Um, does sin happen? Of course. Do people sin? Yes. And, uh, there are several successful, uh, even Christian leaders who I know who have been divorced. And, and I would say that, um, you know, if, if there is a condemnation that you're feeling, then that is definitely not from the Lord. And, and I feel like, uh, there are those verses where it says that if you marry a woman who has been divorced, then you're committing adultery. You know, I've read that. And I mean, I'm like, oh man, that's so scary because I don't want to be an adulterer. But but Jesus says, hey, if you see a woman who you think is beautiful and you start to lust after her in in your eyes or in your mind, you've already committed adultery. And I'm like, well, dang it, I was... I was already an adulterer (laughs) even before, you know. And so I just, um, I feel like there are those sin sniffer type of people that have gone to the extent of like, I'm going to letter of the law kind of person and and you're disqualified because of this or you're not as good of a Christian, you're less Christian because of this. And uh, it's just, that's that's bad doctrine. You're, that's leading down a dangerous place because, you know, that that kind of person is walking hand in hand with the Pharisees yeah. right there. Well, that's a really important one you bring because um, this is one I, I saw pretty heavily uh, growing up and, and throughout the years. And I, I think a lot of times from, especially if you come from a legalistic background or involved with a legalistic church, 
um, the the big struggle divorced families um, a lot of times it's the women mm. the men for some reason I, I don't you know, I don't want to speak into it with something it's not but that you have this idea of living in perpetual adultery mm-hmm. and there's this sense of you know if I'm doing this I'm living unsaved and all there can be this heavy cloud of of all of that. And one thing that I uh, I would point out to someone who's having those feelings is if you find yourself in a situation that's already done, I mean, you're in this situation. Uh, I, I once heard it, I think it was Michael Heiser that, that said, I, I don't want to misquote him here, but he says, if salvation cannot come from works of righteousness, then it cannot be undone by works of unrighteousness. Hmm. And that has always set really sweet to me, not because it tickles my ears, yeah. but because it's the gospel. Mm-hmm. And if you find yourself in a situation where um, you read some troubling scriptures about divorce and you, you're in, you got horrible feelings about it and all that, it, remember, you're, you're not unsaved. You're not living in perpetual adultery or anything. And, and I, that might not be the route that some of you were thinking, but I come from a divorced family and I heard a lot of this. Um, so I, I don't know. I just felt kind of God nudging me to, to mention that, that uh, salvation cannot be undone by works of, you know, unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, I thought I'd, I'd throw that out there. If, yeah. if you are struggling with that, that's a good one. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So um, moving on, my next one is, am I a bad Christian because I can't seem to kick a certain sin? And this one is one of the hardest struggles, I think, because we read scriptures um, like 1 John 3, 6. It says, no one who remains in him sins continually. No one who sins continually has seen him or knows him. Uh, Hebrews 10, 26 says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. So you, you read scriptures like these and you're struggling with this reoccurring sin. It's extremely defeating. And I almost didn't bring this one because I feel that it is worthy of an entire episode in itself. And we've touched on this in a, a few different episodes. I can't recall the exact ones, but I remember we dissected uh, the meaning of practicing sin. But uh, as a shorter response to this concern, am I a bad Christian because of this? I would respond by saying you're a Christian who needs to be very alert because you're in dangerous territory. You are. Uh, James one fifteen says, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So understanding that this cancerous thing called sin lives within us, we need to treat it just like that, Mm -hmm. cancer. Don't let it grow. And I realize that, that we're talking about sin here that's already grown to probably a noticeable size if we're labeling it as something that's reoccurring that we can't seem to kick. And this would no doubt fall into um, like an addiction territory, which is difficult. But from this point, I, I want to read a few scriptures that might be able to help you take at least the first step in in kicking this thing with God's help. And, and make no mistake, God is more than able to help you conquer whatever this is. I can promise you mm-hmm. that. I've lived it. Ephesians 3.20 tells us, 
Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. God is able. The first thing you should do is come to God honestly and repent of whatever it is you're struggling with. And believe me, I know this sounds silly for someone who's dealing with an extreme addiction, but repenting before God is not a statement of, God, I'm going to figure this out myself. I'm here. I'm sorry. I'm going to figure this out. Just bear with me. That's not what that is. With some things, we may have enough willpower to quit on our own. And in those cases, it's it's a really meaningful sacrifice. We can offer that up to God. But in cases of addiction, something that keeps coming back and hijacking your mind, in these cases, repenting is a plea for God to help you because you don't have the power. And the first step in kicking this is asking for forgiveness. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we're constantly walking around with hidden thoughts of, I'm not righteous before God, then Satan is going to use that thinking to keep you from approaching God for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. He's just going to do it. That's what he does. And that scripture brings is so much healing if you really believe it, that you were made pure after sincerely confessing your sins to God. So do that first. And then the next step I would say is to make a plan going forward, identifying your triggers. And by triggers, mm-hmm. I'm talking about traps. If you struggle with pornography, identify the subtle images, the articles, social media posts, the things you know will trigger that inner longing to satisfy something so short-lived. And then instead of the short-lived joy it gives, force yourself to remember the peace that it robs you of afterward. If you think about these things before you come to them, it's going to help. Identify these areas and be intentional how you spend your time that day. That's the first step in resisting the devil. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So when you make a habit of resisting the devil and thinking about these things, being intentional, alongside the habit of asking God to give you strength in these areas, then each time it's going to get easier and easier. And don't forget to keep your guard up. The devil is so notorious for waiting for that perfect time to throw temptation at you. Uh, I think of Jesus. You mentioned earlier in the wilderness that it said that after Jesus resisted him and he gave him scriptures every time he tempted him, the devil went away. Mm-hmm. But he waited for an opportune time. Yeah, And that's what he does. So I would encourage you to keep God's word close to you. Uh, Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, I would encourage you to keep that close in times of temptation. It's a great portion of scripture where Paul He lays out how to battle in these areas with the full armor of God. You should even memorize it because, you know, David tells us in Psalm 119.11, Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Josh brought that earlier when we were talking about reading our Bibles. So keep God's word close because whether you're in a heated battle or not, it's just a matter of time before Satan starts his schemes again. Um, So be alert. Come to God with confession and a request for strength and be intentional throughout your day. You're not a bad Christian. You're dealing with sin, and God's always there waiting alongside you. So I would encourage you, let him fight your battles. Be intentional about this. Come to him for forgiveness. And it's um, it, it it's not always easy. It never is. Mm. But um, th- that's some encouragement on that one. Yeah, man. I, I really appreciate the approach that you brought to that because um, – 
I wrote, am I a bad Christian if I struggle with sin? And I was like trying to, to negotiate some of it. And I did not say it quite the way that you did. So I thought you did a great job. I, I brought one verse from Galatians and that was chapter five, verse one. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery, mm. you know, and, and yeah. Yeah, I I think that that sums up everything that you just said. No, I'm just joking. It does. No. It does. Said by uh, by better than me. No, uh, <laughs> it's just we are now we are the Bible calls us slaves of righteousness and no longer slaves of sin. And and I know that Paul had his moments where he's like, that what I wish to do I do not do, and that what I wish not to do I do. But I I think like you said, look for those agents of stop those. Look for those things, those triggers, and um, God is more than enough. He's He's made a way for you to to resist the temptation. Yeah, and um, you know, uh, I would say finding an accountability partner uh, goes a long way in that of someone that you can confide in and rest upon and and be truthful with. You know, is is going to help um, overcome those things. Yes, definitely. Accountability partner is is a huge step in mm. overcoming yeah. in those realms. Yeah. Um, you know, I had a couple more, but I I think that was a good place to go with it. So, I'm going to I'm going to say that other than um just as believers, to me again, there is no such thing as a bad Christian. So, I would just encourage us to daily grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Peter says in Second uh, Peter three eighteen, and I think that's the purpose of a Christian is that we are only good because of who Jesus is in us. And I know that you had um, a, a direction that you wanted to go in closing with this, but really, that's kind of my final thoughts. Well, I think we really we summed up the the gist of the topic, and I, I agree completely. I don't believe there's bad Christians and good Christians. There's Christians and there's people who aren't Christians. Mm. And um, I, I did have uh, one more angle that I wanted to dive into, and I, I wasn't even going to bring it, but I did feel God put it on my heart. And it's it's one of those things that's kind of been building to a point with the example that I brought. So I figured I'll throw it in there, and, and uh, there might be some ears that need to hear it. So uh, my last portion is how to manage what we consider bad within us. And this is the realm of motives. This portion is kind of in the realms we did in an episode a while back titled The Ugly Truth, Are We Born in Sin? And in that episode, we had a pretty good discussion revealing that we're not born perfect. We're born in a carnal state. So if you're interested in a deeper discussion on that, go check out episode 91. But here I want to concentrate on the way uh, we perceive the evil within us. Because we can intellectually believe a statement like, we are born with a sinful nature. But believing that versus understanding that on a deeper psychological level are two very different things. Uh, let me illustrate with something recently that I've been seeing. I'm not really sure if I should be alarmed at this example I'm fixing to give, but I've been receiving these emails every morning like clockwork about narcissism. 
And I don't know how I got put on this email list, but if I clicked on an article one time, uh, I don't know what happened. But I even tried to unsubscribe from this email list. But after several weeks, I I just embraced seeing these emails every morning. Who knows? Maybe God's trying to tell me something. I've been subscribing. (laughs) It is what it is. Anyway, after a while, I started to read these things um, because I was like, if it shows up, I might as well see what they have to say. And to my surprise, I became pretty interested. Um, What they do is they post a new angle or experience by a different person each day who writes a few paragraphs about either a parent or a coworker or someone they interact with who they believe is a narcissist. And after about a year now, yeah, I've been getting these for a year that I've been reading these each morning, I've gathered a pretty good cluster of data points where I think I pinpointed why this thing is so popular and why there are so many people keeping it going. Whether it be an actual psychologist, a victim, or someone just affected by what they've titled narcissism, basically this group of people who have blessed me with these every morning emails have basically formed this little fraternity where they've they've gathered in this little group and they point at other humans who they have deemed bad. And after I caught on to what I believe this is, it became really intriguing to me because there was times that I'd be reading one of these posts and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm a total narcissist. And then I'd read one the next day and I'd be like, no, there's no way. That's not me. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a narcissist. And, and After it clicked, I realized that what these people were describing, this evil disorder that others had and never them, it was merely the sin that lives in each of us. Whether he struggled with this or she struggled with that, every unique case was described with with sin rooted in selfishness. And after a while, I started to really resent these people in this uh, community that were writing because it, it was just so hypocritical. It, it became really easy to spot within the first few sentences after this point. It, um, it, it was just super obvious to see that every one of the contributors had just as many issues themselves. But this little click they formed, it helped them feel better about themselves. It reminded me of Genesis 4, 6 that says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why is your face gloomy? If you do well, will your face not be cheerful? And if you do not do well, sin is lurking at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. And the funny thing is, I knew this truth from Scripture very well. It's an understanding that I've I've been on board with for years now. But yet this little online community did a very good job of segregating others based on sins that we all share. Mm-hmm. Um, one pastor at the church we go to often says something to the effect of sin is really easy to spot in others, but really hard to spot in ourselves. And I believe that's very true. I don't think that anyone is immune to this. So in a nutshell, those are some thoughts on the sin we all share, how we see ourselves. And I just wanted to end with some thoughts surrounding our motives and condition of our hearts. Um, if you'll recall scriptures like Isaiah twenty nine thirteen, it says, these people come near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Mm-hmm. And remember, Jesus drew from this scripture when the Pharisees tried to say, you're, you're not washing your hands before you eat. And Jesus echoed this truth that it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles us, but what comes out of the mouth. Because after all, we know that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we even have Romans 14, 2, that, that talks about people who don't even have God's law, but by nature do the things that the law points to. 
And it justifies these people who don't have the magical law because of the condition of their heart. God says in Isaiah 1.13 that he is disgusted by vain sacrifices when people don't meet it in their heart. And all of these scriptures point to one common denominator, the heart behind the motions, the motives. We could be doing all the right things on the outside. We could be uh, getting pats on the back by the people we go to church with or maybe just people we rub shoulders with during the day. But if we're just satisfying a shallow image, then these thoughts of, am I a bad Christian, they're going to keep resurfacing. It doesn't matter what image you're portraying. And I, I would encourage you to not assume that Satan is just condemning you because it could be the Holy Spirit convicting you. Mm. And when conviction is present, it's a call from God to get back to peace. And so I'd encourage you to read Isaiah chapter 1. Yes, God spoke in that chapter how disgusted he was with vain sacrifices. But starting in verse 18, he follows up by saying, Come now, let us settle the matter. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. And that that scripture really hits home for me because it's one that God used to lift me out of a rut that I can't even begin to describe to you. Mm-hmm. And it's why I stand today. So I just want to say, let not your heart be troubled if you're feeling down because there's a way to get that burden of inadequacy off your shoulders but it does require a fresh surrender to God. So um, that, that was kind of a, a lot at the end just thrown in there, but I uh, really felt it laid on my heart. So Yeah, no, I, I thought that was really powerful. And, you know, you talk about condemnation versus conviction. We just have to be sensitive and we have to know, you know, who, who are our people and where is this coming from? And, and man, that point about being able to see sin in others, but oh, really no. being difficult to spot it in ourselves. It's a heart check for Yeah, me. it is. It is. And um, there's an old study called self-confrontation where you just have to be so brutally honest, yeah. you know, because we sugarcoat everything, you know. Yes. We're, we're, you know, we don't need trophies because we already give ourselves all the trophies, uh, you know. I think it's funny because at the beginning of the episode, I kind of, my angle was like, yeah, don't feel too bad about yourself if yeah. this. And then I ended it with, yeah, you, you might. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's a balance is the point. Yeah. We will. We can't be narcissists. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm obviously, I'm slowly getting the, uh, the, the emails. So. I, I will stop signing you up for emails. Well, now that I know who's doing it. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's terrible. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me I learned think something of, though. Uh, so King of the Hill where um I think it's Dale that keeps putting I love New York City on Hank's truck <laughs> and Hank goes out and removes it and they show Dale on a little um, you know, uh like mechanic dolly roll out and put another one before oh, just, Hank drives off. Just classic. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's just so funny and so wrong. Too funny. Yeah. Well, uh, we hope that that answers the question that maybe you've asked once or twice in your walk with God. Yeah. Yeah. And if there's some more that uh, we did not cover, feel free to reach out with those or any other ideas that you might have. Maybe it's a profile, a weird in the word. Um, Please reach out to us with any ideas for episodes. 
Yes, please. And uh, you can do that by submitting them to our Facebook page. Or you can also send us an email at connect at basnakebird.com. Uh, even if you just want to tell us what's going on in your life or ask for prayer or ask for support, whatever it might be, that's what we're here for. That's right, guys. Thank you for tuning in every week. Yes. Yes, thank you so much. So, Snakebirds, always remember, whatever you do, wherever you go, no matter what life throws at you, there's never been a better time to be confident in Jesus. And be a snakebird. I need to bring the hope before I bring the pain. (laughs) So I went uh, immediately to Romans 8, 1, Mm. which says, therefore, therefore. (laughs) Can I cough? Yeah. (laughs) My drawl is still working out that first there. There I like it. (laughs) (laughs) That was a really good old brother where art thou Yeah, that's what it just came to me. Just like, I didn't even mean to do that, but I am a man. Constant <laughs> sorrows. <laughs> you doing good. <laughs> what they do is they they poop. <laughs> they, they poop. They pissed. Okay. <laughs> they pooped. <laughs>